At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Good evening and welcome to a conservative and a liberal walk into a bar. My name is Matt and I am a liberal. My name's Tim and I'm conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. We have an outstanding show for you tonight. We're going to talk a very tiny bit about the election. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about John Oliver's phenomenal piece uh, about fundraising and money and Congress and all sorts of fun things like that. Uh, dig into school funding, round of applause and some quick hits. Uh, so hopefully you will be just tremendously impressed by the time it's over with and come back. Tremendously. Uh, exactly. Um, we didn't get any new followers this week, but we will next week. I'm certain of it. Yeah. That was one of our four followers is me. So is, is another one you? Cause if so, we only really have two followers. No, not, not one of them is me, but although I do keep accidentally following ourselves when I log into the, when I log into the site, like, you can follow yourself. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I'm following. not entirely sure what I'm sense that makes. Myself. No, like we can, like I can get a, notif- a notification saying we're now being followed by a conservative and a liberal walking to a bar. I'm going, Oh, <laughs> nice. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what that possible sense pointless. that makes, but yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, it is, it is, it is fairly pointless. So, uh, but anyway, we'll get to, we'll get to all of, all of that shortly. Uh, before we start, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm a little itchy. Like I was, uh, so I helped out of this place called God's Nest uh, this morning. It's a, uh, it's kind of like a, a, a kind of a ghetto Goodwill. <laughs> um, they get they get lots of donation in, and they they do laundry for homeless people. And we dealt with a lot of things, like you know, a lot of old clothes, and a lot of this, a lot of stuff that like wasn't good enough to get donated, and so it was still in bags and. Uh, one of their girls swore she saw a bed bug and like everyone freaked out. And uh, so now I just have this paranoid itching all over my body. But I mean, other than that, I'm great. Good day. Good day. How are have you? you bathed? <laughs> uh, no. Well, because I mean, that was first thing this morning. And I mean, Thursdays are a big day. You know, I went from there to uh, Lexington Rescue to talk to him about a, a prison ministry that I'm going to be getting involved with. And I had couple of coffees and a phone conference and I was serving dinner at the, um, the private center, which is like a, a men's, uh, substance abuse, uh, recovery center. So big, big day. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bathe as soon as I get home. I, I would bathe before I hug my child. If I were you, but true, I might me. strip like in the hallway, like before I even get to anywhere. <laughs> And I'm not going to talk to my wife about this because it'll, Oh God. It'll, oh it'll, God. It'll, no, no. Oh God, no! If we if we get bed bugs, I'm never even talking. About it. I'm just like, oh, oh my God, Hager, that former tenant was disgusting. He must have left us bed bugs. That jerk. Yeah, no. I guess I, I take it all of this boils down to the fact that your wife doesn't listen to these, does she? Right, exactly. She don't care about politics. <laughs> I think I'll have it. Outstanding. So, what about you? How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been very tired this week. I don't know why. I, I, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping fine. But I was, I was just a very much dragging ass today for some reason. I don't know. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, I'm good. You know, like I like I said last week, I had a number of projects sort of uh, coming coming to an end in the last little bit. So I'm just sort of trying to recover. Uh, nice. And take some take some time to to breathe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna go pick up Force Awakens on uh, on on Blu-ray this weekend. I think. And Enjoy. Take another take another look at that. Yeah, because uh, I've only seen it the one time. So uh, right, same here. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 looking looking forward to that busting out busting out my nerd this weekend. So fantastic. Uh, yeah, pretty solid. So, uh, time to keep on keeping on. We uh, we'll we'll start off uh, once as we usually do. Unfortunately, with the election, uh, I I can happily report that there is absolutely nothing of interest on the Republican side at all. Uh, they voted in Wisconsin. Ted Cruz won. Donald Trump got beat by a lot, uh, and it means there's probably going to be a brokered convention, and that's about it. I don't think anything has changed or will change. I, I mean, right. not really. I, I think there's a lot more of acceptance from uh, people that, okay, definitely a broker, you know, pretty much definitely a broker convention. And also this idea that there is definitely does seem to be a sense that Trump is winding down. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know if that's just wishful thinking on people's parts or if that's actually going to come out as the truth. Um, I think we're definitely, you know, plumbing the depths of, of new lows from a, a political dialogue standpoint, um, and both Cruz and Trump are calling for Kasich to resign, which is stupid. <laughs> like it's going exactly as he wants. <laughs> Why would he resign? Um, right. I mean, at so, this point, yeah. he has as much of a he has he honestly at this stage, if the convention is destined to be brokered, which it certainly looks that way, mm-hmm. Kasich's got as much right much to be as there as, as any anybody. of them. If not more, I I, I think I had a buddy of mine tell me that he was like, man, I think Kachik thinks that he has it in the bag and he think he's right. (laughs) So I certainly, I certainly hope so. That would be quite a turn of events for, for me as a, you know, an OG Kasich fan. So that'd be, that would be pretty awesome. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that I, that I find fascinating still about Kasich today is that you, you hear Trump and Cruz, both of them, making the statement, I am the best one to beat Hillary Clinton. I am the best one to beat Bernie Sanders. I I am the one to go, and that's what all the polls show. And in both of their cases, that that is a big load of crap, like a it really is. big load of crap. It the is. only one Huge. that and, – and what kills me is that you hear all of these uh, hardcore Republicans – cruising and Trump supporters, these really right wing uh, Tea Party folk that will say, well, John Kasich is just the one the Democrats like. Well, actually, yeah, because he's the only one that the Democrats vote for. And if you look at real clear politics, there isn't a poll out there that Hillary beats him in. Yeah, no, he crushes, crushes. He Have wins. they done any of him versus Sanders? Period. Yes. And that's that is a toss up. That is a toss Sanders up. beats oh, him man. in a couple but for the most part, Kasich still wins that one too. Uh-huh. It's and closer. Sanders crushes Cruz and and Trump. So, yeah. Well, um, and Hillary beats them fairly handily too. But yeah, yeah, Sanders does pretty well beat the crap out of them. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's you know, yeah. I don't know. So, but but what amuses me is that the Republicans actually have a candidate who is a very clear cut, probably will win the general election, and they have said. No, we don't want him. 
Well, man, Up they're, they're gun shy the because we nominated the one. Well, you know, this probably isn't even going, going through anyone's heads, but like we nominated the one guy who had a chance to beat Obama and he failed. Um, and, you know, then we had Huntsman who really could have, uh, but we didn't elect him and now we got Kasich. So hopefully we do. Um, but yeah, like you said, I'm just enjoying talking about Kasich. What, what, do, what do you got? What do you got for us today, boss? Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the Democrats go, uh, it's it's getting it's it's getting it's getting chippy out there. Um, they're uh, ooh chippy. They're they yeah they're 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 bickering. I don't know that I like. I think at the beginning of this, I think you could very well say that uh, Hillary and Bernie probably had some genuine amount of respect for one another. I don't know that that's the case anymore. No, and I think that this. Really, and I, th- I, I'm starting to wonder, and I think that this debate next weekend, not next weekend, it's a week from tonight, might actually be the first really truly interesting debate of the season, because it it, it could Wait. you know I don't know. This, wait. or at least for them, it could be the the most no, I, wait, fiery no. of the two. Okay, fiery, maybe. But interesting. Not interesting. I've, I've not enjoyed the, the Democratic the debates. I would have called no, most I have of them too. Yeah, interesting. Not, 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 in the word, last word, one, word, there word. was some salty in the last one. I mean, most, most definitely. Yeah, there, yeah. There's been moments of salty. This one, I think, could get really salty. Because I think Bernie's at the, because I think Bernie's backed in a corner. That's the thing is that he's got all of this momentum, but again, it's all in Midwestern Pacific Northwest states, all sort of regional. Why the same does as she everyone got all the South feel stuff. this way? I'm just but because it's true, Tim. There's been a lot of this has been a lot of Midwestern Northwestern Only stuff in a in an area that was that was good for him. Same as Clinton was in an area before that was good for her in the South. Why are, why are Midwestern and states good for Bernie Sanders? He's a liberal socialist Jew from Vermont. Because this is going to sound terrible, but Bernie does well with white people. It's a lot of white people in the Midwest and in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of white people. All right, I forgot it's about true. the white. I forgot about the white people part. Okay, okay. Fair I mean, enough. Am I wrong? I, I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I think I think people who are who are discounting Bernie at this point, I could get it before, right? And and I was probably there with him. But at this point, dang, give a guy some credit. He has won seven am, out of eight states. I, I, the delegate count is virtually tied. The only real difference is the superdelegates. And once the, the regular delegates swing the other direction, the superdelegates will follow, just like they did with just like they did with Obama. So yeah, you know, I if he's getting pissy with the Democratic establishment, I can I can kind of understand, or pissy with the media, you know? Give a give a guy uh, some credit. I'm I'm okay, well, okay. Breathe. I was really just about to point out that that all <laughs> all all I was about to say was that New York is really important for him because he really needs to. This is one of those states that he really needs to swing, and that's why I think this debate is liable to be a little bit more fiery because he's he's in a place where you know this is this is not. I don't want to say that this is this isn't necessarily the Alamo, but it's it's big. It's really big, and this is the first one that has been this big, you know, in a while. And, you know, uh, I mean, you know, it, 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 
it's 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 big, and I think that this debate is also very big for Bernie. So, uh, you know, it's it it's it's been very chippy I, over I, all of it, and it could get more chippy at, at the debate. That's all I'm saying. Well, and I well I I think. I you know, I think I can turn around and say you know what I think New York New York is big for Hillary Clinton I think it's the Alamo for her she has to win here this is her home state for all intents and purposes um, you know if she does if she can't beat Bernie here and beat him soundly then I think it it, it you know I, I think it speaks very badly for her and should should make her real nervous um, and. You know, I, I think the well, debate might be. I haven't be noticed the right chippy. Now. I haven't noticed a lot of the chippy that you've you've been talking about. Maybe I, I think I'm just missing it. Um, but I, you know, I, I mean, there there's been a little bit well, of sass the whole time. But this, I mean, I guess if I'm comparing it to my Republicans, this is nothing. <laughs> this is very true. A couple of quotes that I've heard this week from Bernie's campaign manager. The Clinton camp needs to be careful not to destroy the Democratic Party in pursuit of her ambitions to be president. A little dire, yeah. but okay. Yeah, a uh, little over the top, all right. A little over the... But he is over the top. I've seen him in several cases. and he, He's he just an over-top kind of guy. He, he yeah. is just an over-the-top kind of guy. Flamboyant. It's just kind of how he rolls. Uh, you know, Bernie asked, was asked about... There was a quote from Clinton that was taken a little bit out of context. Shocking. And um, saying that uh, she was calling him rightly on some stuff in that New York Daily News interview that was maybe not the bombshell that it's been made out to be, but there were definitely some moments in there that give one pause. And she basically said that she was, the word she used was that she was surprised that he didn't have more substance to back up what he'd been saying on uh, breaking up the big banks. Frankly, I was a little surprised by that too. Yeah, you think um, you'd have a plan for that. Me. If that's all you talk about all the time, you'd think you'd be able to be like, well, well, I don't have my notes with me. What do you mean you don't have your notes? This is all you talk about. How do you not have this one down? Well, yeah, and, and it, it wasn't just that he didn't really have a clear plan. He didn't actually even seem to really have an answer about where the authority to even do that lies. Yeah, you know? and he backtracked. And that's because- a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's a um, huge deal. So, huge. and that's really all that she was saying. And of course, the media goes, well, so that means he thinks he's not qualified. So they go to Bernie and say, you know, she said, do you think she thinks you're not qualified? And Bernie comes back with, well, I don't think she's qualified if she's taking money from her super PACs and, you know, getting $15 million from Wall Street. And I don't think you're qualified if you voted for an Iraq war and, and on this rant about how she's not qualified for all these reasons. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> all righty then. Gracious. Man, I mean, and again, still bringing up the, the why are they still bringing up the Iraq war? Is that Well, is that I, still, I think that, that, I mean, no, that I, no, I do think that that's know. fair. You know, I mean, that's a big, that's a big difference to draw. I know that she's gone back later and said that it was a mistake, but just like with Obama, yeah. You know, look, Sanders made the right call with the same amount of information. So we appreciate that you now realize it was a mistake, but why wouldn't we pick the one who made the right call in the first place? Yeah, I I don't know. It, Especially when everyone's talking about how her foreign policy experience is so much better. And Bernie's like, look, one of the biggest foreign policy decisions of this century. And uh, guess who was right? 
Yeah, Our but wounds. later on in in that same interview, he had a lot of he had there were a lot of times in that interview where he responded with I don't have an answer for that. There were. And, there were. There were. And and especially on some foreign policy questions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm sorry, Bernie's got Bernie can come back with the Iraq war stuff all he wants to and whether or not other people I, the Iraq war for me has never been a defining issue. It didn't, I didn't really pay any attention to it in 2008. I'm not certainly not paying attention to it now. Um, but, uh, not that it wasn't a big thing. Of course it was a big thing, but it was not, that was not a deciding factor for me and it's not going to be in this one. Um, but at the same time being right on that one vote and then not really knowing what you would do with, you know, say captured prisoners for ISIS. Now, what would you do about drone warfare? Uh, and saying, well, I don't really have an answer for that on some of those things. Eh, that's pretty questionable too. No, so, absolutely. And he should have given, he should have been more prepared with better answers. He did get a little Trumpish, you know, in the sense of just falling back on his talking points and, you know, now at this point in the debate, we're well past that. We need to see more substance. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and you know, that's, that's really mostly what I'm getting at, you know, with, you know, with, with Bernie and, and is that I'm not hearing as much substance as I would have liked out of him. And I, you know, it still hasn't been enough to, for me to go, you know, yeah, that's what I want. Because again, I'm a, I'm, I am a moderate and to me, Hillary is the moderate in the conversation. That's all there is to it. So Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Would, would you, you, if, if you were a Democrat, think like a progressive for a second. I'll try. Pretend you're a, pretend you're a Democrat. Okay. W- would you, would you be choosing Sanders over Hillary? I, I mean, it sounds to me like, I, you, you know, like you're more it, of a fan of Sanders than you are. It just depends on what kind of a Democrat you are, you know? I mean... It's like asking a Republican, asking a Democrat, okay, think like a Republican. Do you pick Kasich or Cruz? I mean, it just it just depends on what kind of Democrat Kasich. I am. Whatever. I like changing how I say it every time. Kasichle. Um No, but, I, uh, hey, you asked if I was a Republican, that's what I would do. That's who I would vote for. Oh, you were telling me. Okay, sorry. I thought you were I, mocking yes. the fact that I say his name differently every time. Um, well, yeah, you do, and I will mock you for that if you like. But you know, no. but I, so I, I honestly, I can't say. You know, there's aspects to Bernie that I really like. There's aspects to to Hillary that I really like. I guess if I was a Democrat, and I thought things like a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage were a good idea, and I thought things like that, you know, that, that I I seem to just have this impression. Okay, I'm a progressive. And the government has endless amounts of money uh, that we can, and we can always get more by just taxing the rich some more and maybe doing some price fixes. So yeah, I would. I would like Bernie. Just trying to get into the into character. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> Well, if I was a big idiot, and like I, you know, I thought that there was all the money just grew on trees. Stupid young people. Well, that's what I was it more feels on like, like sometimes. You. I mean, come on, free college? Are you kidding me? Come on. 
No, he's not. He's going to start the revolution. The and revolution. See, wait, and, and I like that. And that's where you like. like Fight I'm the oligarchy. Not, I'm not a moderate. I'm a passionate centrist. You know, like I'm good. You know, there does need to be some serious adjustments in the way things are done. We do need paid family leave. We do need, um, as in paternity leave, um, we do have to continue the expansion of Medicaid, and we have to fix some of the things about Obamacare. And I'm not even opposed to you know the universal health care, but he just, god dang man, he just goes too far. It's too much, bro. Well, and and I I, I and I agree with you as a, as a as a left leaning centrist. I agree with you that he, he goes too far. That's why I'm. That's why I didn't wouldn't have voted for him. So, but I you know whatever. Uh, I guess, and I don't mean that personally. It's not that I dislike the guy. You know, he's fun. Um, it's fun. But it's just not not my not my cup of tea. Uh, but, we gotta move off I the still election. take what? either of them, Bernie or Hillary, over Cruz or Trump. Absolutely. Oh, that's, yeah. It's not totally. even. I mean, it's not a debate. No, that's it's not, not even a, a question. I, I like both of them better than I like Cruz or Trump. Um, but obviously, I, I like I like um, K Dog better than any of them okay dog that's what we'll call him from now I on might we won't, stick we won't, with that. that i think we might. i think we should both stick with it that way yeah. it clears it clears up the Kasich Kasich Kasichal thing we'll just we'll call him k dog from k dog all right i like it k dog there we go all right time to move on we're going to talk about fundraising uh and Congressional fundraising specifically uh john oliver on uh, last week tonight had a a fantastic for some people, very eye-opening uh, piece on uh, the state of fundraising in Congress, not in presidential races. Obviously, in presidential races, this gets a tremendous amount of attention, especially now. Uh, but the one thing that nobody really talks about uh, is the role that fundraising plays in congressional races. Uh, one statistic that was quoted according to the uh, Federal Election Commission, there were $1.7 billion dollars spent in 2014 on congressional elections alone, uh, which is a lot of money. They made a very funny hemorrhoid joke on, uh, on the John funny. Oliver show. John Oliver is effing hysterical. I, I didn't is, realize. Dude. I didn't grasp how awesome this guy is. He is, he is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you heard about the Yankees thing? No, I mean, now. like, the only reason I've watched him is but because of stuff for up. the show. So, like, I need to just yeah. become a more dedicated watcher of John Oliver. I'm, I, I am at this point. Yeah, I'm, I thanks to my my free year of HBO from AT and T, I I am I am watching this every week. It's yeah, it's 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 what to me it's it that's the real replacement for the Daily Show. Um, nice. You know, not no offense to Trevor Noah, he just doesn't really do it for me, but. Uh, John Oliver, yeah, he's knocking it out of the park, man. Um, so, but the gist is, is that, you know, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, the people in Congress don't like this. Uh, they spend a truckload of time running for reelection. Uh, they, uh, according to one, uh, one piece that the Democrats uh, put out for their newer members, they recommend spending four hours a day to members of Congress on the phone raising money. Uh, so, I mean, if you figure you got an eight-hour workday, that's half of it right there, just gone to phone mm-hmm. calls, sucking up, trying to get people to give you money. I, 
the body, it's it's ridiculous. You can't watch that thing, and I think a lot of people know that this is probably the case. You can't watch that and not be. I honestly, I wasn't even all that surprised. So the question that I that I put out there now is, what do we do? Well, and is there I, anything I think, to do? Well, I think John Oliver. Now, but at the same time, you guys are interested. What can you do? And what will ever pass Congress? Um, exactly. and, you know, and there was, I think, one idea that John Oliver said that a bill that's been floated had, was ranked as having a 0% chance of passing. Um, but the, the one that I liked, that honestly I kind of felt like was a nice, you know, happy medium between um, no term limits and, and having term limits, was the idea of um, if you are a sitting member of Congress, you are not allowed to personally solicit funds. I thought I thought that was a great idea. Like, okay, there you go. It makes it harder for incumbents to get reelected without actually making it, you know, a term limit, and it prevents them from doing any amount of spending any amount of time fundraising that they should be spending, you know, running the in country. So I I like that idea. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, and it and honestly, it's hard to based on the way that a lot of these people talked about the fundraising process. It's hard for me to see them going, no, no, we really want to go back and keep doing that. Well, the and the only reason why they would is because obviously this gives a big advantage to whoever is running against them for re-election because they, they can't fundraise personally, but their opponent is. So, I mean, I think that's where you would see sitting members of Congress fighting against that because they want to win. You, yeah, but could... Could you then level the playing field and say, if you are running for federal office, don't say sitting members of Congress are not allowed to do it. Say sitting members of Cong- sitting members of Congress and anyone in invo- anyone running for federal office declare having declared or being on the ballot for federal office. No, what I, I think because then I think the Could incumbent has this ridiculous advantage. <laughs> you know, like. Whereas the one gives a small advantage to the guy running against them. I don't even know. It might just level the playing field because incumbents have a natural advantage anyway. But if neither is allowed to fundraise personally, then the incumbent has just a huge advantage because of just basic name recognition and and news time that they get just in the course of their office. Yeah. Well, and whereas if you do it and say if you're a sitting member of Congress, you're not allowed to solicit funds, then, uh, you know, in effect, it means that you have to be better at doing your job. Yeah, because the more you're out there doing your job, the more you're going to be out there. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, And And, and 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 no one's saying you can't campaign. You can campaign. You can. But you're not allowed to be. Asking personally, asking for money, and and what would that do? How how would that affect lobbyists in that oh, respect? Oh my goodness! I mean, you know, what? I mean, wouldn't that kind of? I mean, that'd be a pretty good hit to the lobby to the 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 lobby lobbying business. You know, yes and no because that's there's a big difference between a lobbyist who is going around trying to get congressmen to do stuff. And the congressman is calling the lobbyists and saying, you should donate to my campaign, which to me is disgusting. And that that one, the one thing that he showed with the congressman calling a lobbyist 
saying you guys haven't contributed to my campaign. That was gross to me. The idea that a congressman was just blatantly calling a lobbyist and asking for money. I mean, you can't get more obvious that the people with money are dictating politics. Well, yeah, and that it's the only an thing about that. <laughs> Got to start the revolution. Um, the only, the only, I guess the only thing about that that surprised me was how not surprised I was by it. Because yeah, I thought what, yeah, that depressing. part of it was 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 pretty disgusting too. But then at the same time, there was another part of me that was going, well, uh. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. jaded. That that one part kind of surprised me. But yeah, I can see what you mean. I can see what you're saying, like just being shocked by how not shocked you were that that is the state of our politics. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I don't know that that term limits like everybody talks about term limits as a thing and I and I and I do think that I I do believe that some sort of term limit is is a necessary thing for both houses of Congress to be honest with you. But uh I don't, you know, another thing that I've, that I have wondered about is, is that is extending terms for, uh, representatives or changing the way that we, that we elect representatives to the house. Um, you know, should they be extended to four years? Uh, you know, maybe so they're only, you're only electing house members in, in, in presidential election years and that's all, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that just putting term limits on that would be a thing. Because at least if you extended them out to four-year terms, then you could say, well, okay, somewhere in there, they've got a couple of years anyway of a break. Yeah. Well, because yeah, I, I can certainly see how a rep would feel, even if you got rid of fundraising, that a representative would feel like they were just always campaigning. Um, you know, I, I can see that. Yeah, because I mean, what they, what I've always read about presidents is that they they get you know you get elected, and then you basically you start running for president two years before the election, especially now. So, you know, you've got those first two years of your term to really do something, and then you've got to worry about start worrying about getting reelected, and then you've got about two to three years to actually do something, and then one to two years potentially as a lame duck, especially these days. Um. So yeah, yeah. It, it's if they could take that aspect of it out, you know. So I mean, if you look at that's the way presidential politics are, then how must the the House reps feel? You know. Well, I got done with that election. Now I got another one two years from now. Yeah, here we yeah, go. So Time to gear for the next what one. Six months. Yeah, you know. It, I don't know that that part of it seems difficult. So anyhow, I, I'm, I'm not entirely certain I have a whole lot of other thoughts on, on, on that other than, you know, I, I would love to see something get done about this, but I don't even know how that happens or if anything is even before Congress now to, to do anything about it. Probably not. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Well, we clearly have nothing else to say about that. So <laughs> we're going to move on. <laughs> to a round of applause. Who have you this week? You go first. You, you, you do it. Me? Who do you have? You, 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 you. you got a gift, you. 
my round of applause this week goes to Ben Stein. Uh, of, Random. Uh, late of, of, of win Ben Stein's money. Uh, Mr. 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 High School Teacher and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that Ben Stein, uh, who um, is really conservative. Like, really, really, really conservative. And ben Stein I, was, I was shocked. You didn't know this? No. Yeah. Well, he's actually, he's he's a policy guy. He was a Washington policy wonk. He worked for Nixon, went to law school, went to law school with Hillary Clinton, actually. Nice. Uh, and uh, is extraordinarily Republican to the point that he was one of the people that actually came right out and said for a fact that he didn't think Obama was, and I quote, black enough um, for the Democrats. Um Wow. Uh, at least wow, I think that was, that was the gist of what he was saying. Yeah, I know. Hollywood's right? very nice to Ben Stein. They don't, and the media are yeah. very nice to him. They don't seem to highlight these mm. things. Yeah, I don't know how nice to him they are these days. But he uh, uh, he does a lot of political commentary for Fox News and is extraordinarily, as I said, right wing to the point that like I read a I read a commentary on Nixon that he did on uh, on CNN's website. And he was extolling Nixon, all of the virtues of Nixon, saying that he was the most misunderstood person uh, and the greatest Republican ever. And he brought the country back from all the horrible things the Democrats had done, like stealing the election in 1960 and like getting us into a war we weren't ready for in 1941. Getting us into a really? war we weren't ready for. Wow. Wow, Ben yeah. Stein. <laughs> Wow, Ben Stein. (laughs) (laughs) He gets my round of applause this week because he basically came right out and said that he was either going to vote for uh, Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders uh, because he can't stand Donald Trump. So he is an example of somebody who has swung way the hell over to the left uh, in the last week and said he feels so strongly about not supporting Donald Trump that he is willing for the first time in his life to vote for a Democrat. Uh, nice. And this is not simply because he went to law school with Hillary Clinton, as he said, he does uh, have something of a fondness for her, as he put it. Uh, but he thinks that Trump is dangerously misinformed, swung all the way over to the left with all of the equivocating that a lot of uh, Republican uh, uh, and right-wing commentators have done over this of, well, I'll vote for him, but I'm not going to endorse him. Or, well, I mean, I guess I have to. La-da-da-da-da. This yeah. guy, Ben Stein, Mr. Right-wing, came right out and said, no, absolutely uh, and, and not. Good for, good, you, good for you, as we should say. Yeah, round of applause. You know? yeah, exactly. That's yeah, what should say. Round of applause. Yeah. Absolutely. This guy is trying to take over our party. He's ridiculous. He's a populist. He doesn't believe the things that Republicans believe, and he's pushed people way the heck out. And shame on them for being willing to be pushed uh, in that direction. Um, So, yeah, bravo, Ben Stein, and I'm right there with you. I was impressed. You're up. Man, I'm going to give a pity round of applause, maybe, to, to Ben Affleck. I I was so excited that he was going to be Batman. A lot of people mocked him, um, and I I think that he did a he did a reasonably good job. And I think that his standalone Batman movie is going to be great. And I give him a round of applause, uh, despite all the haters out there. And I, I feel bad for him with the the sad the sad Ben Affleck video. Kind of broke my heart. 
Um, so round, <laughs> round of applause, Ben. I, I I haven't seen it yet. Did you did you did you like it? Yeah, I, I liked it. You know, there was a lot of blowing stuff up, and and Affleck Affleck's good. He he gives a solid performance. You know, I uh, yeah, critics hate that, it. I've heard really a lot good. of that. Yeah, but I've heard a lot of people going. You know, Affleck's not the worst part of the movie. He's he he does okay. Yeah, but the yeah. movie itself is not all that great. Well, you um, know, I mean, they could have done it better, but you know, hopefully, and and it's you know, yeah, yeah, this was. For all the buildup, you did kind of want a little bit better. You know, it would have been like if if you walked out of Avengers going, Mah, instead of oh, it was amazing. Um, but I just I I got you know I had a lot of nostalgia and a lot of love for Ben, and I I really hope that he he knocks the Batman and the the Batman standalone out of the park, which I think he will. So. Round of applause. Fair, fair enough. I, I, I can't echo your round of applause. I haven't seen, I haven't seen the movie yet. But I, uh, I, you know what? I've never had a problem with Affleck. I, I don't know. I, you know, I. He's always, he's a very intelligent guy. He's very, uh, uh, he's just wicked smart, from what I understand, uh, and always seems to be, uh, you know, very thoughtful and introspective, and not your sort of typical Hollywood guy. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it's I, all I like because that. of the whole Jennifer thing. The whole Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez just, you know, they did the yeah, which which upset him because that also ruined Jersey Girl, which is a fantastic movie, and Kevin Smith should have gotten way more credit for. Um, that that whole episode just created such a dark time for Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck, both of whom I, are fantastic. I, I wholeheartedly agree on that. I've, I'm I have been a and I am not ashamed at all to admit it. I'm I'm not and I'm not being revisionist in any way. I liked Jersey Girl from the get go. I thought it was a ballsy movie that that Kevin Smith made and and a very uh, good one. As and I am a romantic yeah. comedy freak. So if I like your romantic comedy, it, that's a pretty official seal of approval. <laughs> Fair enough, outstanding. Um, well, we're uh, we're we're about to head down the uh, head down the rabbit hole with Tim. We're we're going to go into one of one of your one of one of your signature Welcome signature to the issues, wheelhouse, bitches. <laughs> as it will, yeah. I I this is this is this is where I get schooled, uh, as it were. Pun not really intended, since we're about to talk about schools. Um, I, I didn't mean to do that. That was tired. Man, I channeled. That was nice. Wow. Good work. Is Randy here? That's right. Yeah. I just cussed. <laughs> Normally that's you. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you did. I you, got cussed, excited. you cussed last week like twice. I did. I was impressed. I did. I get, I'm getting worked up and like into it and I just get going. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It was the Bevan thing that got you going last week. Yeah. On this very Bevan issue. Did. Bevan. It's similar um, to schools. School education gets me worked up. I get, I get excited. Continue. I'm I'm ready to go. So, go do it. Well, that's do it. that's what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about uh, funding of schools. This has been a massive issue in the state of Kentucky uh, ever since uh, the newly seated governor uh, Matt Bevin uh, released his budget, cutting quite a bit of funding to uh, state-run universities. He did what amounts to an effect an executive order last week, making that funding official, effectively bypassing the state legislature. Uh, which in and of itself, both of us agree, was was not the right move. Um, but uh, but still cutting it by four and a half percent. There's a lot of arguments out there for and against it, and a lot of information out there in a lot of different terms that can get confusing. One of the questions, places where we got confused last week was, 
how exactly tuition uh, is set in state schools. So let me go ahead and answer that one, uh, which is to say that it varies from state to state. Hmm. Uh, in the uh, this is according to the Education Commission of the states, ECS.org, uh, which uh, basically laid out a spreadsheet for exactly how four-year institutions and community and technical colleges set their tuitions uh, in. 27 of the 50 states, uh, they are set by an independent uh, state systems or board of higher education. Uh, that is the way that it is in Kentucky. Hmm. Uh, that body is called the Council on Post-Secondary Education, which is a state coordinating board. And they determine the tuition at all of the state-run four-year institutions. Really? Uh, so the, so the UK others, doesn't decide its tuition? No, they do not. Uh, there are a number of multi-campus boards and which are sort of like in the state of North Carolina, you have the university of North Carolina system, which includes the university of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, university of North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina, Wilmington. Uh, that would be, those are, that would be a multi-campus sort of system. So there's a board for that multi-campus system that sets the tuition at those schools. Uh, and then you have single campus boards um <clears throat> the uh now that's actually not how north carolina does it north carolina does it the same as kentucky they have a uh, board of higher ed that does it in only two of the 50 states do the state legislatures actually set the tuition at those state-run schools they are florida and louisiana uh interesting so there you go that's one 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 mystery we cleared we cleared up. From so last week. who who decides who goes on this board? Didn't find that yet. Okay. So I, I don't know who's there. So that seems like a that's a pretty powerful position. So I, I would be very interested to know that. Yes, it is. So yeah, that but that's that's you wanted to know where tuition gets set. That's so for it. all so. of President Eli's. Talk of we had to raise tuition last time. He doesn't actually mean we. He means the board. Yeah, he does. But you have to understand that that is an that is a group that's independent of the state legislature. So you can have action and reaction. And I would bet that the bulk of the people on those boards are made up of educators. So I think again, I still think that this argument holds Humbug. water. That when when the legislature cuts funding the natural reaction by the governing bodies would be to raise tuition to cover those costs because they're run and by a bunch of academics from the same academia who is destroying our education system elaborate Sorry. please did i get going too fast no no <laughs> no, no, no that's actually the, that's the actually the perfect time was that my cue? they're destroying our education system <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? That was that my cue. Um, no, and, and I never want to. You know, you, we use harsh language and stuff because it's funny, and we're on the radio, and you know, whatever. But you know, and, and so never do I feel like you know, teachers or our administration, certainly not teachers, but our administrations and of, of our publicly run education systems are, are doing anything maliciously. But I think that the, sim the simple fact of the matter is that the, the way that education is fundamentally done has to start changing. 
and we have to welcome in uh, the, the technologies that are allowing organizations like Coursera and iTunes University uh, to start to thrive. And we have to begin to incorporate these into our, our school systems because we have to stop saying things like what Bernie Sanders said in the Daily News Pen well, we need to give our education system more money. Well, maybe we need to figure out ways to do our education system cheaper and better and more efficiently and not just keep on funneling money to them. Uh, and I think in the high schools and in the, in the, you know, the secondary school systems and primary school systems, I think you've got your very clear answer. You've got private school vouchers and charter schools. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm calling for a political revolution. I, I don't think that any of our public schools as they currently exist should exist. I think they should be gone, banished, that we should have nothing but private school vouchers and charter schools. And that's it. Um, I think that this is going to allow parents to make decisions about how their children are educated. I think that this is going to lower the cost of an education. Uh, edu- the average cost of educating a high school student right now is over $10,000, uh, whereas a lot of private schools can do it for less than that. The private school that I taught at only charged 8000 So we, we can instantly save money there through tax credits while still paying for people's education and giving uh, parents the, the ability to make choices about what they want to do. Because the situation that we're in right now is that these high schools and the, these public schools know that they have a captive audience. They can't go anywhere else. Does this bother rich people? No, because you know what? They do have a choice. They can send their kid to private schools. But the middle class and the lower income classes, they don't have a choice. They're just stuck. And there's nothing they can do about it. Um, yeah. So that's what I think about that. Sorry. Well, and <laughs> and and we we appreciate your passion. What? Talk to me about charter schools. What? It, I, because I think that that's something a lot of people don't necessarily understand how they work. How do charter schools work? All right. So basically, charter schools are funded by the government still, right? These are state schools funded by the government, but they don't have all the bureaucracy and controls. And that's another thing. So Bernie talks about in there, we need to pay our teachers more. You know what? Our teachers actually make a reasonable amount of money, right? Our teachers make, you know, a, a reasonably educated teacher with a reasonable amount of experience easily hits the median income uh, of about, you know, $56,000, $58,000, right? The problem is that we've made teaching suck, We have filled teaching with endless rules and regulations and stipulations and and completely ruined a teacher's ability to enjoy her job. We've ruined their ability to control their classroom. Teachers should be allowed to say, if a child's acting in a class, get out of my class. Go. Now. And that student, if he doesn't enough, should be able to get expelled. We, there are serious issues in our public schools that have made teaching this, this extraordinarily difficult job. Um, and charter schools are a recognition of that. They're basically the government going, you know what, you know what, the more we've gotten involved, the more we've made schools suck. So let's create a way to pay for schools, but not really be involved in their administration. We'll call them charter schools. Hey, there we go. And so that's basically what these are. These are like private schools that are run, um, that are paid for by the government. 
So what in that respect is, is the difference between, say, a charter school and this voucher system that you're proposing? Well, the voucher system is where you have private schools that are not funded by the government, right? So, you know, your, your standard Catholic school, right? Not funded by the government. Uh, and a parent says, you know, okay, I'm going to send my kid, you know, to, to Lexington Catholic. And the government says, okay, we'll give you, you know, an $8,000 tax credit to, so you can pay for that, to help you pay for that. And is that something that anybody can get or that you have to qualify for financially? I, I am saying that they should just be universal, right? Just done. Because we're doing away with political revolution. We're changing the way our school systems are done. Uh, the reality is it, it varies from state to state. Most places don't even have this, right? Most places don't allow private school vouchers. Um, the places that do do it, usually they're, you know, they're focused towards lower income families and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, on the subject of what, uh, because uh, Bernie's, uh, in Bernie's interview with the Daily News, education did very briefly come up, mm-hmm. um, which is to say that they were basically saying education hasn't come up much except at the university level from Bernie. But at least that's what Bernie said. Uh, mm-hmm. His quote on it was, there is a major effort for a start to privatize public education in America, which I think is a disastrous idea. I think we have got to adequately fund education. I think in the broader sense, what we have got to do is make the American people understand how important education is to our quality of life and to our economy. That's a bullshit statement. Yeah, um, it is. Now, the second half of it. Now, and as far as adequately funding education, I think that that is a very typical, to me, that is a very typical Bernie answer to things, which is throw money at the problem. Um, Correct. But at the same time, where I would come back is I don't, to me, it sounds as though this is just. I, because I appreciate his statement of privatizing things. And I, I am never comfortable with saying, well, let's let the business world handle it. You know, the business world has done an awful lot of things to get us into trouble over the last. But so, so is the government world. So, Look at the VA. That was government. Look at the current state of public school system. Is there not some That's the way? To me, to me, the only way to, but but I don't entirely believe that there is, that you have to go in either direction. You either have to completely privatize something and remove government completely, or you have to be completely government controlled and nothing else. Is there no, to me, it sounds as though this charter system is a balance between the two. Because charter schools don't sound to me as though this is absolute 100% privatization, but it's not the government relinquishing all control. Right. Well, but completely. also though, I, I don't think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There you go. Because, because that's, I the think the sound, that's the way it sounds to me. I just want to make sure. I, I don't right. think the privatization of our, of our education system of that, that would mean vouchers. I, you know, I think private to me, private is a, it, it's just, I mean, this is what Democrats I mean, do. How is they that they not, use though? that I mean, word that's, privatization that's the same way the, we use the word socialism. I'm, um, I'm sorry. I was interrupting you. Say that, say that again. The Democrats do this. They use pri- the word privatization the same way that we use the word socialism. So I, you're absolutely right. I don't think either that government should be completely removed, um, you know, which is why I completely agree. Charter school's good uh, and private school vouchers good. I, I don't think private school vouchers equals complete privatization. The government's still the one paying for it. 
Well, but they don't have any. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I think the reason I like the charter schools better is that at least we know that there is some level of that the the people as a whole have some control over the education system. Um, but but with, in the charter, okay, explain, in the char- explain to me, explain to me. Sorry, I'm I'm blatantly interrupting you. Explain to me how the people don't have a say in the education of their child by using the private school voucher system. I because I don't think they have a I don't think they have a say in how the schools are run uh, in that respect, and it's um, there. There's no way of it doesn't leave you any way of fighting back. Again, the, the government is the government is our way of uh, of vocalizing how we feel. Okay, and I and people don't people don't recognize that just because they don't see it and they don't take advantage of it with you know forty to forty five percent voter turnout. But that's what the government is for. The government is supposed to be us, and we. Part of it being uh, the government being at least in some level, either at the local level, the state level, or even the federal level. But you know, preferably you want school control to be done at the local or, or state level. Um, that system exists so that we have some assurances that if things are going south, we have a we have a say in them. And the problem with complete deregulation to me is that you basically cede all control to the private sector, where. We get that we can't get too involved because it's the private sector. That's the whole point of the private sector is that they do what's best for them. You know, you look at a lot of these private um, online universities out there, Trump, of which Trump University is a phenomenal example, um, and University of Phoenix, and uh, what was it? Uh, was it Billy Graham had a college out there? You know, and a lot of these things are out there. They're totally bogus. But there's no, uh, you know, they're allowed to just sort of be out there and, and scam people out of money uh, for education. And to me, there is a very fine line, very much like with the medical industry, where when you start taking education and making it a for-profit enterprise, that to me is a dangerous game. And uh, I think that the the government jumping directly into bed with that enterprise makes it even more dangerous and more concerning to me. Does that make sense? I, I appreciate your concerns. And I, I think that one, a couple of things to stress one again, as always not calling for the complete deregulation, right? Absolutely not. Um, you know, the government is putting these vouchers in. There has to be some amount of say. Now, fortunately, there exists, uh, you know, an organization, organizations that help make sure that schools are not crazy. Uh, and, and this is the accreditation system, right? Any, all high schools, all schools, uh, in order to get, be eligible for tax vouchers, have to be accredited schools. Done. This, this solves any issues of some sort of crazy Trump University-like situation, okay? Two, when you talk about private schools, you know, you talk about the government is our way of having a say. I promise, in a private school, you have a 
thousand times more of a voice than you do in a public school. At least certainly in our current system. Now, you could debate if we switch to charter where they would have more of a voice. You know, that's up in the air. Right now, though, you you don't have a voice. You're in a public school. You can't go anywhere else. You're trapped. But in a private school system, you have a huge voice because you're the customer. You know, it's the whole thing. And, it, and it's actually sometimes going to be a little bit of a problem, honestly, because, you know, they, the school doesn't want to lose you. Um and so, you know, they kind of, they vary, very. I wish my listen. private college had realized that. You know, well, it always, colleges can be jerks about it. But high schools, every high school I have been involved with, it, it is, they listen to the parents so much that it almost becomes an issue because they don't want to lose the, the, the student. So to me, the idea that the government is the one that's going to give us a voice and all, to me, is, uh, is not the case. And I think, I think in a private school system, the parent, and that's one of the number one reasons why I like the private school voucher system, because it gives more of a choice and more of a say to the parents. Well, and it's uh, it's not necessarily in support of the voucher system, but it, at least with the charter schools, uh, the thing that I like about the charter schools is that the that at least the government can say at least have some say in standards, like with the accreditation, you know, they don't necessarily have to set the standards, but if the accrediting body is there and has said, uh, you know, like, you know, like at the university level with like SACS, you know, the Southern, uh, uh, Southern association of colleges and schools, uh, accredits, uh, universities, then if you're accredited by this, uh, this governing body, then you get state funding. And if you lose that accreditation, well, then you're out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think simple. this, <clears throat> yeah, the exact same thing exists for normal schools, for secondary and primary schools. Yeah, yeah, and and that's but that's but that's why I say you know you can the, the with the charter schools they 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 can set that standard. And, well, the government can with the private school yeah. vouchers too. Tax credits to not pre- yeah, non-accredited right. schools are not. Do not qualify for um, vouchers. Done. Totally fair. Okay. Well, I, I understand. I don't. I don't have. I, I don't have strong. Uh, I, I. I don't like. And I've said this several times, and this this applies to a number of issues. I do not trust the private sector any more than I trust the government one hundred percent to handle anything. There has to be some kind of balance. Agreed. And I get frustrated when what I get frustrated with is when I hear Democrats constantly saying, no, no, pour money into it. The government's going to take over and we'll jump in and we'll handle everything. But the, and, I, and I get just as frustrated with them as I do when I hear the right wing run around and go, oh, was too many rules. Don't worry. Starbucks can run everything. The, Agreed. It's, it's, all the, it's, it's all the same thing to me. It's mm-hmm. just coming from different sides. So, yeah. yeah. One side can tend to go too far in one direction. The other side can tend to go too far in the other. I, I think that's, that's fair. And I, it needs to be a proper balance. How does this charter school thing happen? The charter school thing has that has to happen on the state level, correct? Uh, the federal federal government can't actually the federal government I don't really think involved can the federal it. government really make that happen? I mean, that doesn't really involve the feds at all, right? 
Right. Well, and that's the whole thing. A lot of all the school battling and arguing is about, you know, on the state level. You know, I mean, obviously the feds can say what it encourages and what it supports. Uh, but, you know, that, and that's what we as Republicans have fought for is for state control. So, um, you know, I, I don't because we saw what No Child Left Behind did, you know, Bush's great betrayal of conservative education values. Uh so yeah, I definitely these are these are state level things, but certainly the government can lay out ideas, you know, here's one way to make a charter school system work for you sort of thing. Yeah. Totally fair. So yeah, anyhow. Well, we got to move on. We're we're running we're running short on time. We're going to move on to quick hits. Uh, that's uh do do you, do you have anything else to add about education? I realize that that's that's very near and dear to your heart. I don't know that we covered everything, but man, I um, well, just I guess the big thing for me with with colleges and when you start talking about public, you know, public universities and these sorts of things, there is not the push for efficiency and using technology to to not just to actually make the cost of giving someone an education cheaper. It can't the the conversation can't just be about well the government will pay for it if we do it. No, we have to figure out how to make these things cheaper. And things like Courser have given us a clear line for doing it. But the professors who love giving talks to all their students are, are going to fight it tooth and nail. Uh, and we have to win. We have to win that fight. Well, and it's not just... They're, 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 and if we go over time, I'm not taking the blame for it this time. But the, the, you there has to be more. Of, <laughs> you're right. There has, but there has to be more of an of an effort at the college level to to look at what people are studying and go, okay, it, you know, we can fund this sort of thing. But you know, if you want to study this, we're not gonna fund some of this stuff that's out there, or Agreed. the money's got to come from something else. Amen. And, you know, because Bevan's point about the French lit thing that everybody got all up in arms. And again, he pissed off all the French lit professors all over the place when he said again, because he's kind of a dick about stuff. Thanks. Bevan. He is kind of a dick about stuff. I mean, it was not a terrible point to make. And, you know, Very if you could say, point. you know what, we're just going to offer more scholarships to, like, engineering students than we are for this other stuff. It's not to say that we're not going to fund that or that, you know, we're not going to, you know, allow people to study it. We're just not necessarily going to put as much money into it. That kind of thing makes perfect sense. And, frankly, I think there needs to be more of it. There was a – there mm-hmm. was a uh, – at, at, uh, at UC Irvine – uh, recently, they decided they're going to offer, I think it's athletic scholarships, or they're going to actually offer a degree in video games. But I, th- I think it was an, an athletic, they're going to offer scholarships to people playing competitive video games. In- interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was kind of my response too, and I, uh, it, I, and really, and I looked, at, I looked that up, and I thought, surely to God, that's not a taxpayer thing. That's got, that can't be a public university because if it's a private school, fine. But no, it's UC Irvine. It's part of the public school system, public university system in California. Wow. Really, this is, and this is, but this is the kind of waste that you're pointing to, and that Bevan would point to. You know, that is absolutely right. No reason taxpayer dollars need to be funding anything to do with video games. 
Not unless they're video games that teach people how to do heart surgery. I don't know. And I haven't seen that video game yet. So. <laughs> All right. Which, if there was one out there, I'd play it. Maybe. For a few minutes, anyway. E- EKU so. has a degree in video games, I think. You can get a degree in video game programming. Well, program, yeah, but programming is another thing. That's what I'm saying. I feel like that's legitimate. Do, I, I don't feel no, like that's, see, like that's crazy. That's thing. a different deal. No, 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 no. Because and there's a lot of other real world applications for not just making video games. I mean, that kind of programming can be used for a number of different things. Mm-hmm. Hell, there's military uses for that. I mean, it, you know, uh, but you know, just giving out scholarships for people that are trying to play pro video games. I mean, give me a break. Whatever. So anyway, we got whatever. We got to move. Do it. Yeah. Thank you. We're going to move on to quick hits. We, uh, you know what? First of all, we have to, we have to, we have to do this tonight. We have to acknowledge the, the passing of a, of a great, great man. We lost Merle Haggard today. Very sad. Uh, Passed away at the, passed away at the age of 79. Yeah. He, you know, he, he's Merle Haggard, dude. I respect. And and he's awesome. He still has the the greatest version of, of Poncho and lefty ever. If you ask me. And absolutely. uh, Yeah. You know, it's uh, very, very much a shame, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Any, any, any thoughts on Merle Haggard? No, just sad. Love Merle Haggard. Fantastic. Thanks for all the, thanks for all the memories and good music. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. Um, So uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, next up, we uh, John McCain had an interesting, an interesting statement on the 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 battle with ISIS. He said that the gradual escalation of this is reminding him of Vietnam. Maybe Uh, I I I wasn't there. Sorry, yeah, I I wasn't there for Vietnam. I I don't know. To me, this seems enormously different. And two, I don't buy the gradual the gradual escalation argument. I I don't. Uh, Yeah, I don't really either. Like I said, I I feel like we're obviously winning, and we're now forcing them into other areas, and we will continue to seek them out. Uh, But I I don't. Yeah. I disagree, but he is a thousand times more qualified to make that call. So I, I'm not going to just 100%, dismiss it. Yeah, but uh, to me personally, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. There you go. Well, and it was it was at least an interesting analogy out of because McCain has been such a he's he's become such a. You know, he went so far to the right and then he kind of made his way back. But man, he is on, he is constantly on Obama over this as, as over stuff like this as, as a war hawk. And, uh, well, you're talking you about know, the guy it, who been, called for the surge in Iraq, you know? I mean, this is how yeah. he thinks these things should be handled. So, yeah, very true. So, but my, my point is, is that it, it's been very, it, it's, it had gotten to such, such a decibel level that I sort of tuned him out. Um, and the thing that interested me about this was that, okay, this is, I don't know, maybe this is a fair comparison. I don't, maybe not, but it's an interesting sort of statement was really Mm -hmm. more or less where I was, where I was going with that. So, um, but it, it wasn't his usual, you know, man, you suck. You're not strong enough. Yada, 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 which he's done a lot of that over the last several years. So, uh, yeah, they got color printers at the white house. For the Super first time, exciting. <laughs> Super exciting, but 
an interesting, uh, you know, again, this issue of technology with, with everything that Hillary did and then past secretaries of state, did they do it too? And uh, how secure is all of our information and where is the technology around the government? I, again, this is one of those things that really didn't surprise me all that much. Uh, and which is why I have a lot of varied views about the, the email thing and the legitimacy of all of it, just because of the, what has been the sort of shoddy state of technology all around government anyway. Uh, and this to me was a sort of a prime example of, of, you know, I mean, if, if literally, I mean, if they're legitimately just now getting color printing of all things, Holy Lord. I remember flipping out over our first home color printer when I was like 15. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, that's 20 years late, guys. So, you know, I don't know. Any, any, any thoughts on that? Well, it's just a tough line. I, I can see where any politician is, is shy about, you know, paying a lot of money for, you know, what may appear to be luxurious things, but. Yeah, there, there definitely does have to be a line somewhere. I know that's been a goal of Obama's administration was to kind of upgrade the, the White House. So, yeah, it's tough. Congratulations on the printers. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. You can now print out color porn at the White House. Yay. Enjoy. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think that's our show for the night. We've, we've actually come in sort of close to what our normal time standards are. We're supposed to uh, be. <laughs> we're supposed to hit. be. We're, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's, that's all we have for the night. Final thoughts from you, sir? Uh, no, negative Ghost Rider. No final thoughts here, except looking forward to buying the Star Wars on uh, buying Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's going to be at least a couple hours out of my weekend I'll take to to handle that one. So yeah, I am looking forward to Star Wars as well. Uh, as as always, please, please, please go register to vote. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and enjoy the rest of your day.